Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Plus Weeks Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter is Jeff at the ET. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hi, Pete. How's things? The draft is done and dusted. What were your initial thoughts? Well, by, you know, with my West Coast bias, I was pretty thrilled uh, with who we picked up. But I thought we ticked a lot of boxes. Um, and then overall, yeah, it was it was a pretty standard draft, I thought. No real surprises. Um, you know, trading in players or teams trading in to get a few sliders was interesting um, with Weedle and Cowan. But um, other than that, I thought it was pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, Collingwood taking Ed Allen pretty early um, when he was left on the board was actually pretty interesting. But other than that, it was pretty straightforward. I didn't think there was too much out of left field there as well. Alrighty. We are going to discuss the 2022 AFL Draft, and we're going to go through our top 10 each. Um, we're going to make our players in order of those that we think are going to play early in the 2023 season. This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, December 6. It goes without saying, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand, obviously. Because we've got plenty of pre-season to go. We're still, you know, multiple weeks away from the start of round one. Alrighty, before we get stuck into a jet, so keep an eye on afrratings.com.au for fantasy analysis on players from the 2022 AFL draft over the next few weeks. So that will assist your planning for the upcoming season. Alright, Jeff, let's get into it. So we're going to go uh, in order, uh, rank one to ten who you think is going to play early in the 2023 season. Uh, we'll start with your number one pick. So that's a pretty obvious one, I think. It's Will Ashcroft, um, just a midfield gun, a bona fide star, and um, averaging 27 possessions and 103 in his three VFL games. But when you know the head coach of Brisbane says Ashcroft could have played AFL in 2022 if he was eligible, that uh, just says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, for, for me, that's number one as well. And I had actually had that same point written down. Yeah, when, when Chris Fagan is coming out and saying he actually could have played this year, uh, that's a pretty much um, almost a lock there for round one, you would think, or pretty close to it. So as long as he gets through the preseason uh, quite uh, quite well, um, you've got to expect that he's going to be in the frame for round one. And, yeah, I, I would expect a pretty strong scoring output from him. All right, Jeff, on to your number two. So my number two um, is for, for Hawthorne, is Cam McKenzie. Um, he's a typical hard-working mid, and Hawthorne surprised many by getting rid of Titch and Jaeger Amir in the off-season. So a couple of spots there, and Cam McKenzie rated one of the best kicks in the draft. I know Sam Mitchell rates him very highly, and I think he sees senior action round one and beyond. Yeah, for me, number two was actually George Wardlaw. He did have some hamstring issues 
this year. So uh, listening to his a couple of his interviews, uh, he didn't seem to think that was a long-term issue. So if he gets through a solid pre-season, uninterrupted, I expect him to be very close to that round one team. So if he's fit, round one, I think Clarko selects him. He's an aggressive midfielder uh, with a, an extremely high tackle rate there as well. All right, Jeff, on to your number three. So one of my first Elijahs, it's Elijah Sardis. So I don't know why, Pete, but for some reason people lost sight of how good Sardis actually was. He didn't play all of this year, um, only played a few or half the year as such, and really high-level footballer for a youngster. Outside, inside midfielder too. Not just a pure outside midfielder, although he'll start that way at Essendon but he can go inside. So that's a great recipe for fantasy scores. Super competitive, and I just think Brad Scott, clean slate, should be there round one for the Bombers. Interesting. I didn't list Sardis in the top ten for me. So interesting. See how that plays out uh, leading into round one. All right, number three for me was Cam McKenzie. So uh, exactly what you said. So the Hawks have exited experience from the club. They tried to do so 12 months ago, but they've done that this year. And they are on a massive rebuild. So McKenzie immediately suits the needs for the Hawks in that midfield, and I think he will get a go early in the season. I'll jump on to your number four. So my four is from my beloved West Coast Eagles, and that's Elijah Hewitt. There's definitely a spot on the forward flank for Hewitt. And um, the way he plays, he's a modern-day hybrid mid-forward. Really good balance, really good core strength, and I'm excited to see what he can produce both for West Coast and in a fantasy sense. Um, not going to break the scores in terms of tons, but he should have forward status. Yeah, for me, uh, Ruben uh, Jimby, so he's an absolute bull. They're pick number four for me. Uh, with West Coast in a current rebuild, I think they will see that we'll see an early debut for Jimby. So looking forward to see him. He, he's like right in that Patrick Cripps type mould. So looking forward to seeing him uh, run out for the Eagles. All right, Jeff, answer number five for you. So my five is from the Hawks and it's Henry Husway. So one of the sliders of the draft, which is great for us as coaches. He's going to be cheap for a rook or cheaper than he probably should be. And um, he's a taller mid, really clean below his knees and super good kick. So, again, there's probably a role there for him at Hawthorne uh, early on. I know many were surprised how far he slipped, so I'm expecting him to be in early calculations again with the list movements of, of Hawthorne. They uh, need to inject you straight away. For me, number five, Oliver Hollands. So he could fit nicely onto a wing for the Blues. Uh, the second wing role at Carlton is currently open for competition with Akers taking that other side of the wing. So if Hollands can impress over the preseason, I would expect to see him early in the year. Already, Jeff, on to your number six. So my number six is George Wardlaw. I think, again, if, he, if his body's right and he can play um, and get a solid block of fitness under him and, and shows no signs of any past injury history, he, he will definitely be playing um, early in the season, round one and beyond. So, look, the, the sky's the limit for Wardlaw, and, and that's why North really didn't deviate too far from 
from him in one of their earlier picks, and um, yeah, he'll he'll definitely be up and around the mark early. For me, number six, Harry Sheasel. Uh, he should be on the radar early in 2023. He'll become a target up forward for the Kangaroos. I think he'll get an early look in in that team. Already, Jeff, on to number seven for you. Yeah, so my seven is Aaron Cadman. Um, you expect with what GDRS gave up to get that number one pick, he'll be rolled out pretty early. He, uh, yes, he's a key forward, but he loves getting up the ground. And previous to this year, this is his first year playing key forward. Uh, he played up on the wing last year. So a bit of a growth spurt, can get up the ground. You've got to think of Jeremy Cameron. And like I said, you'd expect GDRS to roll out their prize or recruit come round one. Yeah, for me, I actually also had Aaron Cadman. I think he'll enjoy and benefit from the attacking and fast brand of footy that Adam Kingsley will implement at the Giants. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think we'll see him er- rolled out early for the Giants in 2023. Oldie on to your number eight. So, yeah, Harry Sheasel, oozes class, North Melbourne need that in their front half. Again, there's a spot for him there in that front six somewhere. For us as coaches, we have forward status, so expecting him to be there. Yeah. For me, number eight, uh, Matthias Filippo. So I think there's a, a lot of class here for Filippo. So um, I think Ross Lyon might want to get a look at him early in the year, as long as he impresses over the preseason. He rates himself pretty highly, uh, but what I've seen of him, uh, there is very much a touch of class there. So I would expect to see him in the first half of the season. I don't think we'll have to wait too long before we see him in the St Kilda team. Already, Jeff, on to number nine for you. So number nine's Ruben Jimney. Um, really pleased that West Coast picked him up. Obviously, with our list transition, there's a, should be a spot for him early, and um, it's going to be interesting what his role is early. I don't think they're going to throw him in the depths of um, of inside mid, although the surprise retirement of Jack Redding could force their hand, and sure enough, he might be in there. So, yeah, keep an eye out for Jimmy for sure. Yeah, number nine. I actually also went Elijah Hewitt. Uh, the Eagles went early on him, and for good reason for that for me as well. So he's act- he'll actually add class to that West Coast team, uh, especially with a team that is in a rebuild. So I think we'll actually see him early in the season for sure. All right, Jeff, on to your last one. So number 10. So, yeah, this one's going to be a surprise, maybe. Um it's Darcy Jones for GWS, and again, my bias, not only is he a WA boy, but he's also a Calamander Tigers boy, which is my junior football club. Um, spoken to a few people around there. He is an incredibly astute young man, really loyal and really hardworking. Um, I think there's a role for him for GWS with their this transition. Um, I know he's slight and and all the rest of it, but um, no one's been able to catch him since, so, in the juniors. So, I'm expecting him to be there in round one, and I know that sounds crazy, but um, yeah, I'd be surprised if he wasn't at least an emergency for round one. So, look out for Darcy Jones, small, wears a helmet, you can think of Caleb Daniel a little bit, but um, really agile, really hard-working outside mid. Yeah, for me, number 10, um, outside the bracket type pick here as well for me for the final one. Actually, he went with Jacob Ryan for Collingwood. So 
Craig McRae was willing to provide opportunities to youth last season, and it was actually a pretty good year for Collingwood. I expect 2023 to be the same. I think there's a chance to come in early in the first part of the season, Jeff. So uh, keep an eye out for him. Uh, he'll be uh, sort of that halfback sweeper type role. Um, hopefully Collingwood, which actually might release Nick Dacos into the midfield. So, yeah, just keep an eye on what is happening um, at Collingwood next year as far as Ryan. So if it's Ryan in that team, Nick Dacos could go in, into the middle of the ground. But don't forget, we're looking at Tom Mitchell coming into the middle of that ground as well. So, yeah, much to consider for the Magpies over pre-season. Alrighty, Jeff, as we head into Christmas, so your final thoughts ahead of the break, and what should we start to focus on uh, in preparation for the 2023 AFL Fantasy season? So for me, it's really just building up the watch list, um, seeing, looking at training reports, seeing who's who's doing well on the track. If anyone's injured, like the other day, we had Sam Walsh, who's going to have an interrupted pre-season, so he goes on the back burner. So keeping monitoring those lists and um, you know having a penciled-in team as such with primos, mid-prices and and rooks before the game is is open for us is where I'm at. And, um, yeah, just having fun with it now because there's obviously no pressure. So this is keeping tabs on, on all that news is, is what I'll be doing. Yeah, definitely crossing off some – I've crossed off some players already uh, for the season. So interesting uh, because it is critical and you hear players year in, year out uh, once they get through towards the middle part of the year and the end of the year – they refer back to, you know, if they're having a pretty good season, they ref- always generally refer back to, you know, it was the first time in uh, three or four years that I had a full pre-season. And it's so important. And yet all the top quality players who put time and effort into their pre-seasons and, and obviously they're eating and, and, you know, making sure everything's right, they always refer back to, you know, you know it's a preparation that, you know, sets you up for an entire season. Lockie Neal is really big on that. You know, he's repeatedly said that type of situation where, you know, it does set you up for an, for an entire season. So definitely uh, I've had a couple crossed off my list already. Um, obviously the one thing that, you know, we've got a few new coaches in there this year. So Brad Scott, Clarkson, uh, we, uh, Kingsley for Giants. So really got to focus in on, you know, change of game plans and how that's going to... Um, Don't impact, forget Ross in, Boss. Yeah, and Ross Lyon there as well. And how it's going to impact certain players there as well. So some roles there could be locked in uh, the benefit fantasy, but some roles there could be locked out, which does not benefit fantasy as well. So, yeah, keep an eye on your new coaches, what they do with game style, and obviously positional uh, for positions for players as well. Uh, that's the one thing I'll be certainly keeping an eye on in the early part of the 2023 year. All right, Jeff, so we'll return sometime in January. Um, until then, have a great Christmas for yourself, uh, for your family, and for the listeners as well. Have a great Christmas. Hopefully Santa is kind, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Merry Christmas all. Stay well. <laughs>